0: Bulletin. I can already tell my voice is a little bit raspy, so if someone could find me a cup of water, that would be extremely helpful. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate that. Luke one twenty six through 39 is our scripture. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The word of the Lord. Well, did you all have a good Thanksgiving? Enjoyed? Did you you get enough to eat? Does anyone not have uh, turkey as part of their Thanksgiving? Anybody have a turducken as part of their Thanksgiving? I really want a turducken. Anyone know what a turducken is? It's it's a it's a, a chicken stuffed in a duck stuffed in a turkey. What a fantastic picture <laughs> of the gluttonousness of Thanksgiving. I have not had a turducken yet, but maybe next year uh, a Redeemer Thanksgiving. Well, you know it's very interesting. Uh, not uh, you know until the last dishes in the dishwasher does the Christmas celebration begin, right? You feel the pressure of Christmas uh, impeding upon Thanksgiving. Uh, We actually were in Roanoke and we came back and the question was, will our neighbor have his lights up? Because he has this horrible tradition of getting his lights up. And not just starting to get his lights up, mind you, but the full shebang. And as we rounded the corner, you know, in the lights. There it was. uh, You know, this beautiful facade out of a Norman Rockwell picture. And uh, my children were celebrating uh, almost as if to stick it to the man, their dad, by saying, you don't have your lights up. Christmas seems to interrupt Thanksgiving. I love my my, uh, wife says, we're not going to talk about Christmas until we're through Thanksgiving. But there's this... Pressure, if you will. These pressures that start to bear upon us with Thanksgiving. You know, there's a commercial pressure of, uh, you know, just as you, you feel this pressure to start shopping and the music starts playing and all of the lists start going around and everywhere you look, there's advertisement. There's a relational pressure to Christmas, isn't there? You know, some, some uh, we have long-standing conflict with relatives uh, maybe things aren't so great in our relationships and yet we're called during the Christmas season to come together and uh, to, uh, you know, the, the whole point of the season is peace and beauty. And uh, But there's relational pressure as we deal with the questions of how is it going to be when we visit uh, mom and dad. There's an emotional pressure to make Christmas something special, right? There's this false myth Of Christmas, uh, uh, if that we can get it to look like this whimsical, hazy collage in our minds, that we will experience the Christmas spirit and be happy. It's a statistic that, as a consequence of hosting Christmas, fifty-nine percent of women admit they suffer from stressmas in the week leading up to the twenty-fifth. Has anyone ever heard of stressmas? Interesting. It's go to the Urban Dictionary and type in stressmas. It's a winter season holiday that begins around the end of November and culminates on December 25th. The total level of stress accumulates exponentially the closer one gets to the 25th and continues to linger above a background level at least until the end of January. As the financial, bad weather, health, and family stress cycles peak around the 25th of December, people celebrate by drinking copious amounts of alcohol, or putting them in a white elephant game, and engaging in gluttonous behavior. Stressmas is also noted for its especially annoying music that plays on every radio station, shopping center, PA system, further exacerbating the stressful situation by creating a trigger that turns one violent and belligerent. Marked by long shopping lines and traffic for no reason, one cannot avoid celebrating stressmas. Those with exes, in-laws, and children tend to celebrate Stressmas more faithfully than single people. Stressmas, Christmas is stressful. Although we want to make Christmas as peaceful as possible. But I want to suggest to you that Christmas is not what we think it is. Because the incarnation of Jesus Christ is an interruption of life. You know, the Advent season is the celebration of the unexpected Jesus coming at an unexpected time in an unexpected place to pay the unexpected, unfathomable price to give us unexpecting sinners the undeserved gift of complete forgiveness of sin and unimaginable gift of eternal life. It's an intrusion of God into the world. Taking away the agenda that we have. Maybe the goals and dreams that we have. As we try to fit Christmas into our life. Rather incarnation, rather Christmas is an interruption of life. And the story of Christmas, the story of Mary. Is the example of how to respond to the intrusion of of Christ into our world. For Mary, much like us, had her agenda and her life, and yet Christ came, or excuse me, the angel Gabriel, and then her son Jesus came. She had a decision point when Gabriel came to how to respond to the intrusion of Christ, to receive Him, to acknowledge Him, to make a course correction in His life, Or simply to continue on the way that she was. Christmas is designed to cause stress. Because it is the collision of the divine and the human. And we only find peace when we understand three points. Number one, that Christianity consists in interruption. Christmas is all about interruption. And if we don't and that we don't understand Christmas. Number two, there's always going to be a cost. There's always going to be a stress as we take a look at what God is calling us to do and be and ask whether we're willing to pay the price, which is surrender to His will and His way. And finally, number three, that freedom comes only when we surrender. The point of my sermon is simply this that only those that are willing to have their Christmas interrupted by Christ will truly experience Christmas this year. Everyone else will miss it. I think Mary and Joseph, I appreciate our our, uh, image here for Christmas. Thank you, Barry Durham. We have Mary and Joseph coming down the hill in the city. I wonder if they came, if anyone would recognize who they were. Or do we go about our business? Well, let's look at these three points. Number one, Christianity consists in interruption. We see in verse 26, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. As this story unfolds, we discover the first character, Mary, who was quite normal, in fact, Mary was astoundingly normal. Wasn't anything about her in particular to explain why God would come to her. No education, middle of nowhere, following the path that other women had followed in her steps, for, uh, that uh, she was following a path that other women had taken centuries before her. Mary was somewhere between 13 and 16 years old, she was just a young girl. This was a pre-arranged marriage. The, uh, the man uh, had taken a liking to marry. He wasn't much older. The parents had gotten together. They'd said, this makes sense. Money had been exchanged. It was a done deal. Hopefully they knew each other and liked each other. The life expectancy was short in those days. And so Mary was following a path, an astoundingly normal girl, living an astoundingly normal life. Mary was normal, but she was hopeful as well. Like any girl, her husband-to-be was busy building a home, an add-on to the family house, and at the proper time he would come and take her, and she would come to live, and that house would become theirs. She was going to be a homemaker, to have a home of her own. Imagine the hope in her heart for that. She was hopeful. She was making that transition from a girl to a wife into the life of women, into a new circle. That this would be a wonderful new chapter of her life. She was normal and she was hopeful and she was preoccupied. She had preparations to make. There were so many things that needed to be made ready to make the house a home. And that was part of her responsibility. As he built the outside, she was helping to prepare the inside. She was preoccupied with the fact that she was soon going to have to leave her family, her mother and her father, to live in another man's house with another set of parents right there. Imagine the preoccupation she was feeling. Well, Mary was not the only one preoccupied. God was also preoccupied, wasn't he? In the sense that from the beginning of time, he was thinking about Mary and something was about to occur because he had sent an angel on his way to talk to her. And he came to her, Gabriel, and said, Greetings, O favorite one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Greetings, O oh favored one, were the first words. By the way, it doesn't really say when Gabriel came. The angel comes when he wants to come, right? It doesn't matter when it's inconvenient or not. He can stop time if necessary. There's this intrusion. Greetings, O oh favored one. What a beautiful, beautiful opening statement. It Actually, if you translate it, it would be rejoice, O oh graced one. The rejoice is a command in the imperative tense. Rejoice, O graced one, the one who has found favor with God. It's more of a title because of the way it's been stated. It'll always be that way. Mary from now on is the favored one based on the, scripture, the, the Greek here. Greetings, O graced one. The Lord is with you. Just as easily you could have translated the Lord is for you. Here comes the angel, this with this greeting. So high a greeting for so low a person. In fact, I've searched the scriptures looking for more of a disparity in the greeting, and I haven't really been able to find it. Closest thing might be Gideon when the angel comes. Remember? Almighty one of God, while Gideon's hiding in the wine press, treading wheat. This nobody receives such a greeting. It's natural her response says that she's greatly, what does it say, troubled. The words, in it's an intense fear that she's experiencing as she turns around and there is the angel who gives this greeting. As she tries to ponder in her mind the disconnect between his words and her life. It says that she's, trying to figure out in her head what's going on. The word in the Greek is dialoguing. There's a dialogue in her head. Why this gracious and bold greeting? And why it's such a horribly inconvenient time? Why has He come now? But the angel interrupts her thoughts. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Now she tells him about his son. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now there's no way Mary could fully understand what the angel was saying. I mean, think about it. The disciples didn't understand. Nobody understood. I think we have this sense sometimes when we look at Mary that she was this all wise, you know, omniscient type being who was within herself understanding. There's no way she could have grasped that. She was just a girl with no education, no understanding of, of the geopolitical sphere. But I think that she understood that whatever it was that he was saying, that life cannot be the same that this blessing or whatever it is means that life cannot be the same and that this was not the plan that she had in her heart this wasn't what she was expecting or preoccupied with this Christmas is an interruption it's an invasion of her life it starts with Mary and what about Joseph who's busy working on his house with his own preoccupation of thoughts, right? All of a sudden, he's going to get interrupted. Why does God choose to interrupt these people's lives? Why does He choose to interrupt ours? Because humanity desperately needs a course correction. The earth is spinning away from God and quite content with that to go on our own course but there's a disaster that's going on as if the earth is in rebellion against God, that God must intrude and invade and interrupt. Otherwise, there's no hope for humanity whether they realize it or not. And so the manner in which God chooses to invade is through a little child. You know, like Mary, we want Christmas to fit in our own agenda, don't we? not just speaking about christmas i'm speaking about christianity in some sense it's an add-on something that we can attach to our life and our agenda and our hopes and our thoughts it's we don't want it to be inconvenient we want it to be an add-on as long as things are good everything will be all right but lord forbid no pun intended don't upset my trajectory And so that's why I think Jesus came the way He did. A small baby. I mean, how much can a small, aside from Mary and Joseph, affect the world? Christmas is seditious, if you will. Everybody hates Jesus for the rest of the year. But they love Him for Christmas. Because He fits into our agenda. But the stress of Christmas comes with the collision between... The Christianity of God and our Christianity. Of course there would be a collision because they're different trajectories. I have here a jar. I've talked to you about it some. I created it some time ago. It's an interesting jar. Every single one of those silver uh, baubles there represents a week of my life. Actually, I think it's a month of my life. I can't even remember anymore. They're flying by so fast. I don't keep track of it anymore. I put this thing together probably three years ago. Every single one of these represents maybe a month of my life. And I did the uh, silver ones. They were to represent uh, every single week I had with my oldest son until he went to college. And the green ones, I think they were months actually, every single month until my next one went to college. And my red, until my next one went to college. And every week I'd have a little alarm and I'd open it up and I'd take out. And the whole goal was to try to understand the frailty of life. But you see, I did have a schedule to how life was supposed to go. For some of you, uh, maybe if you're new, you don't know that my my son, uh, our son... One of my sons, I have three, was killed um, uh, last May. And our life was interrupted, if you will, with something that was quite horrible. And it shook me because I had everything planned out of how my life was supposed to go. I knew exactly how much time I had left, and by tracking the time, I knew what lessons I needed to teach. I knew how much time I had. But God decided to interrupt my plan. God interrupted Mary's plan with something beautiful that was surrounded from time to time with something horrible. We don't think about the Herod and the killing of the children and them leaving in the middle of the night. We don't think about all of those things. But the truth of the matter is, if I am a Christian, if I follow Christ, the same greeting is for me as it was for Mary. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is for you. I have a path and a plan for you to walk in. The reality, my friends, is simply this. If your Christianity has no interruption, you have no Christianity. Because Christmas is every day. God interceding and interfering in our life, invading it, knocking it off its course, saying, I have a different plan for you, a better plan for you, that will lead to something that you could not ever imagine, that is benefiting, that is equal to the title that I'm giving you, the grace that I'm bestowing upon you. And so my question is this, are you comfortable in your Christianity? Have you made a deal with God? Don't bother me with anything that's out of my trajectory. If it's good, I want it. But if not, I don't. The truth of the matter is, not all interruptions are unconditional. In this situation with Mary, Gabriel plotted a collision course. But I think sometimes we miss God's interruption because we're not willing to even listen to it. Why did God come to Mary in the first place? I don't know. Maybe it was because God knew that she would listen and have a willingness to have her life interrupted. So the truth of the matter is are you missing God's interruption in your life? If you want to be a Christian, prepare to be interrupted. Open your heart to God's plan. The command that God gave to Mary was the command that He gave to our family and the command that He gave to you. Rejoice the God. God is with you. The command was to rejoice, but so often we want to doubt. So listen this Christmas season for God's voice, because it's only those who are willing to have their Christmas interrupted by Christ that will truly experience Christmas. This brings me to my second point. There's always a cost. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Notice she didn't say how can this be, but how will this be? How can this be is doubt? How will this be is faith? She believed in the promise, but she didn't understand the performance. See, this really is the part where the other shoe drops. You've put all of this wonderful things in front of me. Who wouldn't want to hear this? But how will this be? See, up to this point, the angel hasn't said anything about Joseph. Hasn't said anything about the marriage. Hasn't said anything about the house. He could have said, the angel could have said, you will be married soon. And you too will conceive and you will have a child And you will grow up and you will raise him like a regular child. And when he is older, he will assume his role. Wow, that would have been great, right? But these are the words that the angel said. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. No, Mary... Joseph is not going to be the father. God is going to be the father. And using the same language by which God created the world through the Holy Spirit overshadowing the earth, so shall you, the Holy Spirit overshadow you and you shall have a child even before knowing a man. What are the consequences of this? No mention of Joseph. Will he stick around? Mary might have thought. Will he divorce me? In fact, he could accuse me and then my life is in danger. What of our future? To have this child means that I will start showing even before I am married. You've made it in such a way where there's a cost. Why couldn't you just wait a little bit? But that's not what the angel Gabriel... What of our wedding night? What of my relationship with my family as they see this baby starting to grow in me? What of my relationship with his family? What of my relationship with my community? Nobody's ever going to believe this. What of all of my hopes and dreams that I have for the future? See, there is nothing peaceful about Christmas until the time Jesus was born. And even there, only for a little bit, right? Very, very little went as Joseph and Mary expected. Joseph hadn't expected the painful decision to divorce Mary. He hadn't expected all the difficult, unplanned detours that took them to Bethlehem, then to Egypt, then eventually back to Nazareth. Neither of them had expected this holy child to be born in a stable of desperation. Christmas, my friends, is not about fulfilling our holiday expectations. It's about celebrating Jesus' overwhelming accomplishment for us and following in his humble servant footsteps. The older I get in my Christian life, the more I believe this is true, that the Christian life consists in crucifixion and resurrection. Daily, a call to crucifixion. And a promise of resurrection. That as he interrupts and invades our life with things he calls us to or things that happen to us, saying, I'm here to interrupt your life. But trust me, for there will be light after the darkness. That was the call to Mary right here. Mary, I'm calling you to a crucifixion of all of your dreams and hopes. And on the other side of that is resurrection. God's plan, my friends, for you and me is not to change the world. It's to change us. God doesn't change. He uses change to change us and sends us on journeys that bring us to the end of ourselves. And we often feel out of control. Yet if we embrace His leading, we may find ourselves on the ride of our lives. And so the call of Christmas to you and to me is to this. Crucify your future, your agenda, your rights. And trust me that resurrection will come afterward. I think all dreams have a birth and a death and a resurrection if we trust in God's plan for our lives. But this call is conditional. Never really asked, what do you think, Mary? Are you in? But he does, there is a sense where we have the opportunity to respond to God, as Mary did. You may ask the question, why am I not growing in my Christian faith? I keep sitting in the pew, I keep hearing the message, and yet I'm not really growing anymore maybe the reason you're not growing is that you're afraid to die. You're afraid to crucify whatever it is that God's calling as He interrupts your life. You don't grow because you don't die. The only way you can live is with His life. But He calls you to die to your dreams and your hopes and your agenda. That really is the reason that Jesus Christ came that you might have life and have it to the full. But until you die, you cannot have His life. Mary's life, from then on out, <clears throat> nothing would be the same, right? I wonder how long until the sickness started to come. She spent the rest of her pregnancy on the run, so to speak. And then having Jesus and bewildered watching Him grow up, staring into her son, the son of God who could stare right through her, watching him die, holding him in her arms, mourning for his pain and death, and three days later witnessing his resurrection. What a proud mother. I have two jackets I used to be one of those crazy people that ran marathons. And I got in my mind this idea that I was going to try to qualify for the Boston Marathon. And the Boston Marathon is one of those things, you you can't just go to it. You have to get a certain time in order to get into it. And they make it in such a way that a very, very small percentage of people actually can qualify to get in it. Well, I was determined that I was going to be one of those people. And so I got out my magazines and my training and I... Sort of planted my flag, and I started going at it. And the time of truth came: the 2004 Marine Marathon. I needed to run a 3:15. I was sick, and it was very, very hot. But I was determined. And at about mile 15, that's when my dream began to slip away. My body wasn't strong enough. I slowed to a halt. And I walked slash crawled slash whatevered my way over the finish line. Almost an hour past what my qualifying time was supposed to be. And there was the death of my dream. But there was this small voice in my head saying, It's not over. The Shamrock Marathon is in the spring. But that would mean that I was going to have to train through the winter. After training throughout all of the spring and summer in order to fail. Shall I train or shall I not? There was the dream and there was the hope and there was the insanity and the antifreeze that the lemmings have in their blood. And so I continued on. And lo and behold, with friends and with a lot of prayer, I crossed the Shamrock Marathon At exactly uh, 50 seconds ahead of the time necessary to qualify, and qualified for the Boston Marathon, where I ran and got my jacket. Now, the question I have for you which of these jackets is more important to me? Which one, honestly, do I favor more? It's this one. It's this one. It's in the death of the dream. And the willingness to continue on. This was the blessing of it. But this is what made the enjoyment of it all the more palpable. See, Christianity is like that a call to die, a call to crucify your ambitions and dreams and hopes as you follow the path of another. But is not Jesus the ultimate example of this? His willingness to be interrupted, to put on flesh, to be born to this virgin, to be misunderstood and mocked, killed, crucified, buried, and to rise again. The gospel of grace, that is Christianity. And so the truth, my friends, is simply this you cannot have this life and Jesus too. You get one or you get the other. You get him. To get him, you have to die to this life. To get his life. I'm not saying we don't live in this life. I'm not saying we don't enjoy it. But it's not our life. Much like Mary, I'm kind of like Gabriel showing up unintruded in your life instead of giving you the nice shiny Christmas thing so we can be done. Greetings, O favored one count the cost now you like mary can make the statement whatever whenever however your life is the one i want so where is it right now where you have to be interrupted there are sections of your heart right now that you're holding back from jesus maybe your kids maybe your dream maybe your pride Might be your future. But if you want to know his life, you have to give up yours. Only those that are willing to have their Christmas interrupted by Christ will truly experience Christmas. This brings me to my final point freedom comes in surrender. Gabriel finishes Behold, what about your neighbor Elizabeth, old Elizabeth? She's already pregnant six months. For nothing is impossible with God. The angel is saying, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to give you signs. I'm going to give you hope that as you walk along the path that God has for you, He will not abandon you or forsake you. For I will be with you. Do you believe that, Mary? And after a moment of silence in Mary's heart, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me as you have said. This word servant, handmaiden is some of your translations. It's the lowest servant. You know there's a hierarchy of servants. It's the bottom one. She didn't even choose one down. What was she saying? I would rather have your interruption than my agenda. I would rather have your glory than mine. I'd rather have your future than mine. I would rather have you than anything else I said that there was no peace until Jesus was born I don't think that that's true there's no peace in circumstances but I think there was a peace in Mary's heart even amidst I have no idea how this thing is going to work out I'm with you and day by day as she went and visited Elizabeth and God's grace met her there And as Joseph came to her one night and said, I had a dream. It's true what you're saying. And there, sure enough, Jesus was born. And the shepherds came. And all was quiet. Freedom comes in surrender. And Christmas cannot truly be Christmas until you're his. His. The angel gives us hope and so does Christ. But as Jesus said, I will die and I will rise again. And that if you let me invade your life and interrupt it, collide with it and move it in a direction in which you follow my path, it may feel like death. But the minute that you start dying to yourself, you start experiencing my life. My hope for you this Christmas is this. That you won't be so wrapped up in stressness. That you miss the collision. That you experience God's invasion into your life. That you listen as He calls you to a deeper measure of surrender and death. And that you walk the path of Mary and Joseph and so many before Who have made a decision, I choose you, Jesus, above all else. It's only those who are willing to have their Christmas interrupted by Christ that will truly experience Christmas this season. May you experience Christmas as it was meant to be. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your invasion and interruption, that Christmas is not hollow but a picture of what you have done and are doing in our lives. Let us be willing to lay down our life that we might pick up yours. Let us have the trust that after a crucifixion comes resurrection. And let us experience Christmas in a whole new way as we know, like Mary, maybe for the first time, that we are truly, truly yours. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. We now have the opportunity uh, to join together and worship and in, in praise in our offerings. Um, this is a time that we can let ourselves be interrupted in our financial lives.